Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. And I am his lovely wife, Emily Van Vutt. And we are back with another uh, another two weeks worth of games. Um, this episode, we're also going to be reviewing probably our favorite game, I would say, mm-hmm. which is uh, Eminent Domain. So it's spoilers. It's going to be relatively positive. Um, we're also <laughs> going to revisit our Get to the Table segment from last month, see how well we did. And, and put, put out a, our new list. Yes. Trying a little bit something different uh, this episode. Uh, but first, we'll talk about what we've been playing that's new for us. Um, so literally right before we recorded, uh, we busted out Pandemic Legacy, which uh, recently released. I'm very excited to get a hold of this one. I always wanted to play Risk Legacy, but don't have a group of at least three people that would want to play Risk consistently enough to get that one to the table. Yes, if you guys, I don't know if I've ever gone into one uh, New Year's, we decided, hey, let's play games for New Year's Eve. Okay, sure. And we played an epic game of Star Wars Risk that lasted like three and a half hours. And I got to the point where I was just like, can we just stop playing? And literally like the next two turns I had, I blew up the Death Star and killed the Emperor and I won. Never again. Not no a fun risk. experience for you, no. <laughs> um, but so when we you know when I found out that you know Matt, Matt Leacock and Rob Daviel were combining for Pandemic Legacy, I'm like, wow, this is super exciting. It's a game that I can actually get Emily to play. We can play it two players. Like, I got a legacy game finally. Yes, it's oh very cool. God, and geez. and for those of you don't, that don't know what a legacy game is, um, a legacy game is a game that has persistent change that happens from one game to the next, and and you literally will discover new components in the game as you go along, um, as different events happen in the game. Um, like you, we were adding stickers to the board for certain things, whatnot. Yeah. So uh, and like and you obviously are, you, are, you are literally changing the game. Yes, and obviously we'll, um, we're going to keep it spoiler free because any of you out there that are listening that don't want to be spoiled as far as what happens in Pandemic Legacy, we're not going to spoil that for you because that's that's the fun is. It's Experiencing all the different events, um, but the, we played the first game, um, which plays very similarly to regular Pandemic, I would say. Um, and then some things start to happen, and it's already showing its its colors basically as a as a legacy game. He made me very upset. They because like a legacy game, like you said, it's constantly changing, and you literally like it says destroy this component and it goes against every fiber of my being to do any harm to any <laughs> and, I game made, and i made you do it too and he made me do it he sat there for like five minutes until i did it and i ripped it and then i threw it at him because i didn't want to touch it. <laughs> i thought that'd be a fun experience for you did you did you enjoy the game like like do you like even with just that one game are you excited to see i'm excited to see how it plays out yeah Good lord, I think we're going to get our booties kicked more often than not, but and we'll see. Like we'll and see. and it's it's cool because it um the 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 nature of the permanent change in the game allows for like a unique story to be told. And that's and that's already started right, and with everybody what's going gets, on. That way everyone who plays it gets a unique game, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Yep. So so looking forward to playing that one. I have a feeling that we're that that one's going to be hitting the table rather frequently over the next uh the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um because we're going to be I, I can only imagine the the um the pull to play it more often just increases as more as more things the happen. The crunchier it gets. Yeah. So looking for that pandemic legacy. Um so far so good. Yeah. After one mission. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. 
Uh, next was actually one on our list uh, from last month of Get It to Table was Fantastica. This was one of my picks because we've had it for a little while. Yeah, I've had it for, for a couple of months for sure. And just haven't found a way to get to the table. It was definitely interesting. <laughs> yeah, Fantastica is a um is a deck building game, uh, but it's also an adventure game. Yeah, as well. It's the the art the art but style and the you're adventuring around a game or a board. I use that term loosely, made of cards mm-hmm. and trying to conquer different cards and and whatnot. Yeah, and it's like the theme is very like family friendly fantasy theme. That kind of thing. So, as you have different cards in your deck that have the different, names on the cards oh, are funny, of course, <laughs> um, different cards in your deck that have different icons on them. Um, use those icons to you play cards out of your hand to subdue monsters that you that you encounter. Didn't they call the sword the spatula? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's like, I, I I liken it to kids like like playing make believe, basically. You know it what was I mean? So funny though, because why was it a spatula? Why not? I did. Okay. But uh, but so you use those cards to subdue different beasts that oh, you might the, encounter. The fairy thing was the toothbrush. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was funny too. Um, and or to complete quests, and the goal is to complete quests. You're trying to get a certain number of um quest points, which which you need to win the game, and they have uh varying numbers in there for short, medium, and long games, which is kind of neat. And well, the other neat thing is the way you add cards to your deck is those the beasts that you subdue um become like friendly to you and they get added to your deck and you can also purchase they have like these artifact cards and they have like a beast market that you can just buy and then there's powerful cards from peaceful dragon who doesn't do squat yeah he just he, he's the deck clogger card he and, is the trash card or the he the waste card from trains pretty basically every, every deck builder's got to have a couple of those um you like this one a lot didn't you i really did because you know i'm big into that genre mm-hmm. i like the you know fantastical things you know harry potter dork and yeah. the rings dork and everything else i really had a lot of fun playing it too the the game mechanics were solid if a little simple like it it's actually, definitely an easier game it actually game. took longer than i thought it would to play well that that was my biggest issue so the the it so we we played the medium game because we're they're like oh play the short game if you're inexperienced with deck builders i'm like we play deck builders all the time so we'll just play the medium game and like 30 minutes in I was like, let's just switch to the short game because this is taking a long time. And all now, it is is points, is, yeah. you know. So. Now, now, granted, once once we really started completing the quests, like well, it happened once, really well, quickly. Like once it just, we got some cards, that was yeah. It took problem. it took a long time to get to get ramped up. To get I would it, say. To, I can't speak today. This has been all day long. Yeah. Um, it took a long time to get a decent deck together. I yeah. think. Yeah, it, it it took a while to get things going because a lot of the 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 better monster cards will have like two of a symbol in the corner instead of just one, and you kind of need those to right. to be able to um to move around the board well and stuff like that. So it was interesting. Um, it's it's one that I would keep also just because it seems like a good game to introduce to non-gamers. like younger players. I'm not even non gamers, younger players, just because like when our son comes of age, like that could be his first deck building game. You know what I mean? That kind yeah. of thing. So, um, Fantastica, it was good. Um, like I said, it's, it's not going to find its way to our table as much as other deck building games that we like, I don't think. Right. But, uh, but, but solid nonetheless. Um, one of the other new games that we picked up recently is a new release from Tasty Minstrel Games. Um, that and by is, we, he means he. Yes. Um, is Steamworks, uh, which is a, a very interesting, um, what would you call this? What is it? Is it like an engine? It's a literal engine building game. 
of yes, sorts. Yes, it's um worker placement as well. Like you definitely move your uh your mechanic dudes around the board a little bit. So forgive us. That's our lovely cat Ovi. Yep, he's he he joins all of the other podcasts that we do as that I do as and, well. And he's so. he's bringing us a present to show us how much he loves us. Yep. Um. Anyway, <laughs> getting back on the Steamworks. So it is. Yeah, like you're literally building pieces of machinery that you can then put your meeples on to use to your advantage to make your other pieces of machinery better. Mm-hmm. And and you're actually creating like these inventions. So so you have these power sources that you can get and they they have three different types. There's clockwork, steam and electric. And then you also have this market of device components that comes out as well. And the, to make a device, you attach a power source to a component, and now you have like a new, then, like a new action ooh, space that you, you have can. The librarifier, or whatever yeah. it was. Well, so it, it gives you an, a new action space that you can place a worker on, and what's what's cool about it is that you can actually hook multiple devices up to the same power source. And then when you activate that power source, it'll it'll use all those devices. And the devices do a, a variety of different things. Like they have components that'll just get you money. They have components that'll let you trade um, trade stuff for victory points. They have, they stuff have that, some that are just straight victory points too. Yeah, or some that'll let you upgrade your the other devices that you have. And it's and it's it's also cool in that it's not um like just the player that builds the best devices isn't going to win because you can actually use other players devices as well. Um, they just get a bonus from doing it, but you also block them from being able to take that space as well. I thought the game was really interesting. Um, ended sooner than I thought it would. So according to BGG, they just called a steampunk worker placement game. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, that's, I mean, really that's what it is. And, and it's, it's a tight ec- uh, economical game as well because as you're, you start with two workers, your first worker every round is free, but then subsequent workers will cost money if you want to place them on the board. Um, or so you, you have can to be, just lay them down on your board to get money. Yeah, to get the amount that they would cost anyway. Um, what did, what did you think about it? Um, I, I liked it, but I still felt it a little fiddly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of those ones that you're not really, like when the game starts, I don't feel like you're really sure what you should be well, doing. And see, and I think I I don't know that two people is what it's really for. I think we need three or four players. See, it's funny though because I think if we put like three would probably be okay. I think four players would be like so slow yeah. in that game just because there's so much happening. And there's so many devices on the board. Um, I feel like it would go quicker. You think so? I don't yeah. think it would. Just because more things are getting bought off the board, and I, I, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Mm. I don't. I don't know. Like I, I, I like playing with two players because it's easier to keep a survey of what's of what's happening on the board. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you that in the, the there's a big difference. In not the two- up for a little challenge, huh? Not up for a little challenge. No, not a, not up for wanting to spend two hours playing that game. <laughs> Um, in, so they have a mechanism where they have like this stack of, of money that's on the board. And when you use another player's device, they get a money from that stack and that stack depleting works like a timer. Um, in the three and four player game, instead of coins on that stack, um, it's actually victory point tokens. So obviously a two player game, you don't want to put those out because then no one will ever use the other player's devices and there'll be no interaction whatsoever right but uh but uh, that works a little bit better in a three or four player game so steam works um i i'll play it again for sure like i enjoyed playing it. no we can play it again it's i mean there's nothing wrong with it i'm just saying i think it may suffer a little with two we'll have to see we also didn't um 
they have like basic characters and then they have their advanced characters, which each have unique action spaces. Oh, well, maybe that'll make it. Yeah, I think we played with the basic ones for the first game, but I think the I think the unique spaces will probably make it a little bit more a little bit more more fun. Yeah, because it'll give you a direction to to go in, if you know what I mean. Uh, next on our list, we as another uh, Mister Sir here is like, oh, hey, I'm heading to the game store and comes home with five games. Um, did I did I buy this from the game store? Or did I order this one? I don't remember. No, you bought this from the game okay. store. Okay, uh, he got Traders of Osaka. Yes. Um, this is actually a retheme um, of a of an older game called Traders of Carthage. Uh, that oh. plays exactly the same way. <laughs> it's it literally is just a retheme and reprint, essentially. Yeah. Um. This is a trading game where uh you have a market of cards. Uh, you can either take the cards which act as goods. Um. Well, actually, sorry. You can take the cards to act as money, or you can purchase the cards to act as goods. But the 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 trick is when you purchase the cards, you have to purchase the entire line of cards that's available. So you got to have big money for this one. Yeah. So it's, and it's a kind of a back and forth um, between, you know, taking, getting the market low enough that you can afford all the cards, but not doing it so that another player can swoop in and buy them from you. And then when cards are purchased, there's four ships on the board that each match the four different colored cards that are available. Um, and when, when you buy cards from the marketplace, the ships will move a number of spaces depending on how many cards of each color were bought. Eventually, one ship is going to reach Osaka, um, and when that ship, colored ship, reaches Osaka, all the players who have goods of that color get to sell them uh, for victory or trade them for victory points. Essentially, um, I'm not going to describe the scoring because it's very convoluted. Actually, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the only thing that like it's it makes sense once you figure out how it works, but like to explain it to somebody is very it's hard to explain at a first pass. Yeah. But basically, but essentially, it's you. You get to keep the cards that you trade, and they're they're all worth victory points at the end of the game. Um, where the trickiness also runs in is that any of the ships, when a ship reaches Osaka, any of the ships that are in the Black Sea or the spaces that are the two spaces behind Osaka get shipwrecked, and they get to they have to move back on the board. And all the players who have goods of those colors all have to discard them. So you have to really. You know, be careful about what ships and are are getting to port and what and when that's happening to maximize your victory points. You uh you enjoyed this one quite a bit, I think, didn't you? I did. I really had a lot of fun with it. Um, because it is I, I I look at everything as a puzzle because that's just my nature. Mm. I'm always trying to find a solution to the puzzle and trying to find ways to you know screw you over when we play games is mm. always fun too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I did get mad because the economy is tight. It can be tight and for sure. And it's just like, I really want this card, but I can't get it because I don't have the money. And by the time I have the money, you had already bought the cards. And I was like, <sighs> well, that, and so and the, where the challenge comes in is you're trying to make it so that you're getting a lot of points while trying to make your opponent have to discard their their cards. And there's ways to mitigate the discarding. Like there's they have insurance cards that you can play to, to save your stuff from being wrecked. Um, but Traders Osaka, good one. Um, I wish the scoring was simpler to teach, um, but like I said, the game itself is good. It's a that that's one that I think would fall into that power filler category for us. Yeah, that's it only work. took about a half an hour to oh, play. Oh yeah, it. no, no time. Even first playthrough, thirty minutes done. Yeah. Uh, the next one, this is another one that was on our get to the table challenge. I don't think we talked about this last episode. Uh, Saint Petersburg, uh, and this is actually the recent the edition that was released this past year that has all of the expansion modules with it as well this game has quite possibly the funniest card i've ever seen in my life i think it's the shepherd card and it's this dude with this 
He's very excited to be standing. He, he's got this look <laughs> on his face. It's so Chester the molester. It's not funny. And then there's a sheep in front of him. And the sheep has like this derped up face. Like, oh, my God, what's going on? And it's just it's hilarious. And every time I see it, I crack up. I can't stop laughing. Well, Shepherd cards aside, the game is uh, <laughs> the game's a pretty solid one. This is one that I that we picked up early in the year and then played it once and enjoyed it, but then never played it again, which is why Not we put it on our against the table. trying, because I kept saying, I want to play this, I want to play this, I want to play this, and then I had to put it on the list to get you to play it again. But we did play it again and enjoyed ourselves very much so. so and we actually, um, I know the first time we played, we didn't add any of the expansions. This one, we added a couple of the uh, those purple cards. Mm-hmm. That uh, that mix things up a little bit, and a few of the extra building cards and stuff like that, just for variety's sake, which are pretty. In St. Petersburg, you're buying basically goes. Um, there's multiple decks of cards, and each deck of card has a unique color, and one of them corresponds to workers, and one of them corresponds to buildings, and there's a market, and there's nobles, and and stuff like that. And essentially, what you're doing is you're drawing. Um, you you draw out a line of cards to fill out the board, which is ten spaces wide. Um, and then players take turns purchasing cards um, in that round. And when you purchase a card, it'll go in front of you. And at the end of the round that you're in, all of the cards that match the color. So at the end of the green card phase, all the green cards that you have will give you money and victory points based on mm-hmm. what each card provides. And then in the, in the following deck of cards, the which is you know whatever color comes next, you instead of drawing the whole line of ten, you just fill in the empty spaces. So a lot of the cards from the previous decks will still be on the board available for purchase. Um, and the, but, the but they get discounted. Well, the, if they, if they Eventually. last till the next like phase or whatever yeah. it is. Um, and then, so it's kind of, it's kind of a cool thing because if not a lot of cards get bought the previous turn, then there won't be a lot of new cards to be seen from the new deck. So you have to kind of balance, hey, should I take this card so I can see some new cards, but then my opponents will get more options, right. and you have to kind of you know, weigh those decisions. Um, and it's a victory point track game. Basically, you know, whoever's the most points at the end wins. Um, it's it's a solid game. I, I, the, I remember the, when we first played it, it took a little longer than I would have liked it to. But this the second play was, I think, a little bit brisker because we knew what we were doing. Well, yeah, we knew what we were going for, and you know, mm-hmm. not not so much trying to just figure out. Well, and also like most first playthroughs, we're still learning the cards, so we're looking at every card, saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, what does this do? What does that do?" Da 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 da. You know. Yeah. Yes, that that was so. It's like I said, I, I like the length a lot better. Um, like I said, we incorporated a few of the expansion modules. Um, we may throw a few more into the mix next time as well. Um, there's six in total. I think they say not to play with all six at the same time, though, because that's apparently they can bog the game down a little bit if you do that. Okay. So, but we'll we'll check out a few more. St. Petersburg is a good one. Um, if you are looking for like a midweight, you know, card, it's it's almost like a card drafting game of sorts. Yes. Um, definitely check it out. It's a it's a pretty solid one. Uh, last but not least on our list. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> is uh, another one that Bradley picked up called Haggis. And it's a trick-taking game. So he's like, oh, let's play this. You know, we got no time to play this before the baby gets up from the snap. I was like, all right, sure. Well, shall, shall I describe it a little bit first? Uh, sure, if yeah. you want. So... Haggis, um, it's a low player count um, trick-taking game that combines trick-taking with rummy 
as well. Yes. So instead of playing, like in most trick tank games, you play a single card at the table and your opponent tries to, tries to beat that card of the same suit or whatever. Well, in this one, you actually play a, a sequence of cards. It could be a single card, but it could also be a pair of cards, you know, or a, a run of cards or, or a run of cards that are the same suit. Um, and your opponent, when, when they determine if they can beat it or not, has to match that style of play. So if I play a five, six, seven run, then Emily has to play another three card run that has a higher card, you know, higher end card than a seven. And also when you start, when, when you start your turn, you have a Jack queen and King in front of you that can be used as wild cards as Mm -hmm. well, because when you deal out the cards, you deal with, well, with the two players, you deal seven cards off to the side. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you deal the rest of the cards down. Everyone has their Jack Queen King. Yeah, so the, seven cards are out of the game every time. Yeah, and the goals the goals to go out first. You wanna you wanna get rid of all your cards first. The other little wrinkle that gets thrown in the mix is that you have these combinations of cards that are called bombs. Um, the point of bombs is if you if your opponent has a has a trick that uh, or a, you know makes a play that you can't beat, but you really want to be able to take the lead back, you can play a bomb card or a bomb sequence. And a bomb sequence is like like usually Jack Queen or Jack King, basically two face cards together or a specific um was it three, five, three, seven, and three, nine? Five, seven, yeah, three, five, seven, and nine were the cards, I believe. Yep. Yeah. And if your opponent doesn't play a better bomb, they will get all the cards. Like they'll collect the cards from the trick, which you will get points for at the end of the round. But you'll actually gain the ability to lead, which is very important because leading um Let's you determine like you get to set the pace for which sequence of cards your opponent has to beat. It makes it easier to go out in theory. Um, and and there's major points. There's a huge point bonus for going out as well. Like you get ca- you get points for how many cards your opponents has left in their hand. Um, you get points for you get if to you, steal all you, those cards. Well, you get to bet at the beginning of the round too. And so mm-hmm. you if you go out, you get your points and their points that they bet as well. Yeah. And um and you also get the the haggis, which are the cards that you set aside at the beginning of the round, which could also potentially have points on them. Yeah, for sure. So and and you play to a set score, and whoever you know reaches that score first wins. So <laughs> so we played this, and like I like when he explained it to me, I was kind of like, okay, let's just play it and see how it goes. I didn't quite get it completely. But apparently I did get it completely because I Either was that or I'm I really was, bad. I was steamrolling. I don't think I want a single a single hand. No. And he's <laughs> just like he's just looking at me like, what? And I was like, I, I don't know. Well, it's it's tricky because like when you look at your cards at the beginning of your at the beginning of each hand, um, you can make your bet on whether you think you'll go out first. Even after the round has started, as long as you haven't played a card yet, you can look to see if you if you're going second, you can see what the other player is doing first before you decide. Oh, I think I'll go out first. And you see these combinations in your hand, and you're like, oh, I could definitely go out within a couple of plays if I do this. And then it never seems to never seems to work out the way that you uh, worked out for me. Just well, apparently, fine. you just made very poor decisions. You, I I must you, have. You did not choose wisely. I apparently not. So it's and and that's it's it's tricky though. Like it's a really well, it's a really a tough taking game. Well, it's, it's a really to tough trick taking <laughs> game. But I liked it. Like even though I got roundly humiliated by you, yeah, I, I think, still liked it I quite think a bit. I, you know, quintupled his score or something ridiculous like that. Well, because I kept betting, and then you <laughs> kept giving you points just because I kept betting that I'd go out first, Stupid. like a dummy. Yeah. So haggis is cool. Um, and I, and I, I liked it because. 
it's a trick-taking game that works like it's only two or three players so it, it's a lot of trick-taking games you need more players to really make them work haggis you uh you don't um it works really well if you have a smaller group yes that likes to play it so definitely uh if you like trick-taking games recommend checking that one out um so we're going to take a quick break here when we come back we're going to revisit our get to the table see how we did last month and add a few new more games for this month so stay tuned Welcome back. So uh, last month we we debuted a new segment to the show called Get to the Table, um, where we challenged ourselves to play a couple games that we've been wanting you to didn't play. Say it right. Get to the table. <laughs> where we challenged ourselves to play a couple of games that we've as long as I can amuse you, that's really all that matters. <laughs> a couple of games that we uh, that we wanted to play. Um, so we'll first review how we did over the last month, um, and then we're going to add a few new games to the list for the uh the upcoming month ahead um so last month we we had five games uh we we cheated a little bit because uh two of them were games that we had just purchased and uh and were and were you know gung-ho to play anyway but uh the other three were so here's the list our get it to the table list for last month was thunder alley fantastica saint petersburg on her majesty's service oh excuse me and isle of sky we hit four out of the five. We did. So we we already talked earlier in the show about Fantastica and um and St. Petersburg. We talked last week about Isle of Sky and uh and on her Majesty's service the World of Smog on Her Majesty's service. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna have to call it World of Smog because I just want to say on Her Majesty's Secret Service. All I, the I think time. I think the cool mini or not guys call it World of Smog, so that's probably okay. I, Thanks, <laughs> thanks to my James Bond loving husband, mm-hmm. I just want to call it on Her Majesty's Secret it's like Service. A, it's like an instinct, like a it reflex. Is. It is. So, but we missed we missed Thunder Alley. Why did we fail? Well, well because <laughs> that one's hard. Because I mean, that's like a two hour game for us. Yeah, it does take a little bit of time and to life to get has, it out. Life has just not been. <laughs> uh, I don't know nice enough lately to give us time to yeah we've only we've like our game nights lately have only been like an hour and a half we might be able to squeeze two games in yeah you know we're one robust one we've both been exhausted from work and Mm -hmm. everything else and it's just been crazy so so that was so we like so we i think we did good though 80 percent is a pretty good i'm I'm happy with four out of conversion rate so because meatloaf said what two out of three ain't bad well we did four out of five if we were playing baseball we, that we'd be like the best baseball player in history with Hell an 800 yeah. batting average. So that's right. So um this so this month we're gonna add four games uh to the list. Um but I decided to mix it up a little bit. I thought it'd be more fun if Emily and I each picked two games um that we each want to play and didn't tell the other one beforehand so we could we could react to each other live as we're recording this. So did you want to go first or shall I? Ah, uh, it doesn't matter to me. Well you can go first then. Okay. So my two. Mm-hmm. Well, just do, we'll 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 do one each. We'll just we'll trade back and forth. So Eldritch Horror. Yay! Is I've been wanting to play too? Eldritch Horror. No, it's not, it's not on my list, but I I have been wanting to. I have been wanting to play it. I want to play Eldho, especially since we got the expansion. I know we're probably not going to play with it yet, but like since we got that, I'm like, okay, I really want to play it again. Yeah, this is one. Um, Can I, we get the tentacle tokens from the Kickstarter? From the others Kickstarter? Yes, yes. we will. So that's. That's that'll that'll helps add some thematic emergence from that. So I love you too. But uh, yeah, I've been wanting to play Eldritch Horror. It's been it's been a couple months since we've played it. Um, I think our problem is that we kept going through the 
old ones like until we like we would keep using the same old one until we beat them yeah, and i think we should just pick that. whatever one we want and just have fun because azathoth can suck it he's supposed to be like the the first one you do well azathoth sucks we've we've beaten him before though. i know we've beaten him but he still sucks because he's the one that got me as soon as i got a new investigator the cloven hooves came behind me and <laughs> ate me and i had to get another new investigator yeah, but I just, I just picked up the Mountains of Madness expansion in a trade, um, so we're looking forward to to incorporating that. We, we we can actually incorporate parts of that in. We just might not use like the sideboard and all that stuff quite yet. So, but yeah, I'll, I'm excited to get that one played. Um, my first one that I'm going to suggest is CO2. Oh, I um, know. I should have expected that. Yeah. You've been every time we assessed it. What do you want to play? Well, we could do CO2 or this or this or this. This It's always his first one out of his mouth. Well, I'm on a Vitalis here to kick right now because we're about to get the Gallerist very soon um, from our Kickstarter pledge because it sh- should be shipping out by the end of October, which is his new game. Um, so I've, I've been wanting to go back and play his other designs. Um, and we've only played CO2 once. We enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a unique game for us. I don't really think we have anything that's quite like it in yeah, our. Uh, I don't think that so. it's that it has that it's a very um, it's got that very cooperative but competitive style where you're working forcibly working together, but you know still trying to 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 be the the greenest company in all the land. Yeah, I'm not so go. good at being green. Uh, didn't you win last time or did I? I can't remember. Well, no, I'm just saying in general, yeah. <laughs> I try, but it's hard. Yeah, we've, but I've, I've been anxious to play that one again. I want to play Venus again as well, but I want to play um, CO2 more than I want to play Venus right now. So that is my, that is my first delivery. Um, my number two is one, an oldie but a goodie. I want to play Quantum. Really? You're missing that one? I am. It's been it's been a while since we had a good you and me game of that because like I think we played a four player mm-hmm. not too long ago, but I kind of like how crunchy it gets with just you and I because mm-hmm. we're so mean to each other. We are, and and also like I try to make the maps to to kind of be very confrontational and yeah. and fun that way. Yeah, quantum quantum's great. Um, we may have talked about that on the show before. We might have. It's it's a it's abstract, abstract game. Yeah, like. Some people have called it a four X game. I don't really buy that, but it's it's a di- it's a space combat game where With dice, yeah, where your ships are dice, and depending and each, on and which depending side. on what number you have, each number has a different ability. Yes, and yeah, it's fun. It is a lot of fun. It's one of those ones that I kind of stumbled upon on a whim, and you had, you were like, like I remember you looked at it, you're like, really? Like I don't. And then we played the first game, <laughs> and it was, was really called. solid. It was really solid. So quantum's cool. Yeah, looking forward to playing that one again. So my last one that uh, I'm going to bring to get to the table is Concordia uh, from Mac Gertz. Uh, we recently talked on the show about Navigator, which was a recent acquisition for us, and we really liked it a lot. Um, and it's made me want to pick up Concordia again, which we've also only played the one time. Um, but it's it, Concordia is a really unique, um, you know, like area control, resource management, deck building game uh, that he created as well. Remember, because you played the action cards out of your hand, you can buy the new cards, and they're also the scoring cards. They have, they determine how you score points at the end of the game. Do you not remember when we played it before? Vaguely. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's I've, okay. I've got a lot going on Yeah, I'm, up I'm, in this big brain of mine. Well, I'm the one with the weird recall. Sorry. I have mommy <laughs> brain, okay? Yeah. Well, you, will, you liked Concordia the first time we played it. I have no doubt that you will like it again when okay. we play it the second time, so... 
That that is the second Does it one. Has anything to do with grapes? There was grapes on the cover, yes. Because you know, I think of Concord grape jelly. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, there's there's grapes on the cover of the game. I mean, it's still got a very generic Euro Euro cover. So. Gotcha. Yep. Oh, this is the ones in the same size box as Navigator. Yes. Because right? I'm like looking at, we got Navigator, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, why does this look so familiar? Rio Rio Grande. And he's box. like, uh, because it's the same box as Concordia. I was like, oh, yep. okay. So, but yeah. So sorry, I'm I'm going off on. That's okay. Today. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind playing Navigator again either, though. Okay. That's not gonna be on the list, but no. Yeah, we're gonna we'll probably get that to the table sooner than later as well. So that's our uh, that's our four for this month for get to the table. Um, we'll see how we do a month from now in getting those played. Uh, when we come back, we will have our review of Eminent Domain. Again, we're back and we're going to do our review of Eminent Domain, which, as Brad said earlier, is quite possibly one of our favorite games ever. Yeah, we've we wanted to do this one really badly back when we were doing um, video reviews a year or so ago and just never, never got around to it. So I, I blame Xander. I do blame Xander as well. It's completely his fault. All your fault, little man. <laughs> but so, I love you to pieces. So, yeah, Eminent Domain, um, such a such a cool game. Um it's it's combines deck building, tableau building, um what else would you say? Uh, it's got some civilization building to it as well, farming. I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> um so you know, I'll I'll give the the rules overview and then we'll, yeah, Brad, we'll go into what we talk about in later. In case on. you haven't noticed, Brad's the overview guy because he's the rules guy. He's the you one said who said that you said that before on the show, he, I know. He reads all the rule books and you know, so, I just play the games. Yep. So but Eminent Domain, um it's published by Tasty Minstrel Games, uh designed Tasty by Minstrel. Tasty Minstrel Games. Tasty Minstrel. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Designed by Seth Jaffe. Um, so, like I said, it, it's, it combines deck building um, on a very core level. So the way the game works is each player is given a standard deck of 10 cards at the beginning of the game. And this deck is comprised of the basic action cards for the game. So in the game, um, it's in sort of similar to Race for the Galaxy. Um, there are these action cards that each have a different action on them. Um, there's Surveying. There is Warfare. There is colonizing, there is producing and trading, and, and there is research. And there's also a politics card that you have in your starting deck, which lets you basically just take another card from the center of the table. Because um, in the center of the table, you have um, stacks of these basic action cards, um, which also sort of works as the timer for the game, because the game will end when a number of those stacks have been completely depleted. So on your turn, you're going to have a hand of five cards. Um, you have the option of playing one of the cards to the table to perform an action. So each card has an action characteristic, and it has a role characteristic. The action characteristic is usually a benefit um, that's usually either a lesser version of that card or a slightly different version of that card. So like with surveying, um, the action lets you draw. If you play a survey card, you get to draw two cards out of your deck. Um, if you play a tr uh, producer trade card, you could produce or trade one resource that's in your galactic empire. Basically. Mm, research, you get to bounce two cards from your um, Yeah, you streamline your deck, your deck a little yeah. bit and, and purge it. Um, so, so forth you, and so on. Yeah, and, and the action phase is optional. You don't have to play a card during that phase, but you certainly usually want to more often than not but where the fun in the game lies is during the roll phase so in the roll phase um you're going to take one of the five cards out of the center of the from the stacks out of the center of the table and perform that card's roll 
and depending on what the card is will determine what you do. So like surveying lets you draw cards from the planet deck. So there's a deck of cards that have different planets that you can add to your empire um, and flip them over to gain benefits and victory points. Um, if you do warfare, you get to collect fighter ships to your And the ships are empire. really cool. Yeah. Um, if you do colonize, you get to add colonize cards to your face down planets because each planet in order to flip it over to gain its benefits and its victory points can either be colonized peacefully or attacked uh, with your military ships and each planet has a different value for each of those characteristics. Um, producer trade lets you produce or trade resources on planets in your empire and research lets you acquire technologies and we'll save those for later because that's kind of a whole different bag of worms. So where roles are different than actions though is that you can boost roles and make them better. So if I take a survey card and then I have survey cards in my hand, I can actually play those cards out of my hand to make that survey more powerful. So whereas with a regular survey, I'd only be able to look at one planet card, I can draw an additional planet card for each of those um, other survey cards that I play out of my hand. So you want to try and do actions that you'll be able to support and really you know, make worth your while on your turn. Now, the, in, the where it gets interesting here is that other players, when you take your role which is mandatory every turn, have a choice to make. They can either follow you or they can dissent. Um, if they follow you, they actually get to perform that role as well if they have cards that are in their hand that match the symbol. So if I decide to do a a uh, warfare role, for example, and collect fighter pilots, if, I, if Emily has warfare cards in her hand, she can play those cards out of her hand and also collect ships as well to add to her empire. Um, so you have to be careful as you're playing uh, that you're not, you know, doing roles that will help your opponents out, um, you know, too much because they'll get to do a lot of extra actions on your turn, which will, you know, make them a lot more productive. The other option that you had to do is you can dissent. Um, if you dissent, then you don't follow that player, but you do get to draw a card from your deck to add to your hand so that your turn will put, you know, potentially be a lot more lucrative as you go along. So that's those are the very basic rules of the game. But where things really shine is when you add the technologies into play. So the research action lets you basically purchase technology, or sorry, the research role, rather, lets you purchase technologies um, when you execute it. But it has certain prerequisites. Like you have to have certain planets yeah, in so, your empire that are already colonized. Yeah, so there's essentially there's three different decks of technology, um, and there, there's three different types of planets in the game, and each technology deck corresponds to a type of planet. There's metallic planets, advanced planets, and, and fertile. fertile planets. Yeah. Um, and well, like, and there's we, also other types of planets. There are, but, but well, we're just talking about the basic game. So, um, so like Emily mentioned, when you do a research action, you can, if you have enough research symbols on the card that you've played and you have a flipped over planet that matches the diff the deck that you're trying to do, um, you can actually pick up these technology cards. Now the technology cards, there's three different levels of technology. Um, the level one cards are like just slightly better versions of the basic actions that you can do. Um, the level two cards start to give you like specialties in different, um, in different areas in the game, depending on what deck you get them from. And they're also worth victory points. They are worth victory points. And then the level three card, um, there's only one level three card in each of the decks, but it's like an uber powerful card um, that gives you a super strong ability and it's worth a ton, a, like five victory points at the end of the game, which is quite a bit of victory points yeah. um, for, for eminent domain. But as you go through the different levels, 
you have to have not only more research symbols, but you have to have more planets. So, you know, for a level two technology card, you have to have two of that planet type in order to be able to get that card from these stacks. And the different type, the actions that are helped by the technology cards um, also matter in which deck they're in. So, like, the metallic deck will give you better survey and warfare actions, for example. The fertile deck will help you with colonizing and producing resources, and the advanced deck will help you with researching and trading resources. So you can align your specialties there, and too. And also note that when you acquire a new technology card, it goes directly into your hand. Yeah, the technology cards have actions on them as well. Or there are some that are permanent that just go out into your tableau mm. and they're just there, Yeah, you know. But those technology cards, you're going to play, once you start acquiring them, those are the cards you're probably going to be playing most frequently during your action phase um, because they have much more powerful actions that you can execute on them as well. Um, and that's that's the basic gist of the game. Um, at the end, of, So the game ends when, like I said, a certain number of, of stacks of cards in the center of the table have been depleted. Um, once that happens, every player gets to finish the current sequence of turns, and then every player gets to take one final turn. Um, and at the end of the game, you look at your victory points, and you get victory points for um, resources that you've, that you've traded throughout the game. Um, you get victory points for all the planets that you have flipped up in your empire, and you get victory points for all the technologies that you've acquired that are worth points. And whoever has the most points wins the game. And, and that's we, pretty much all there is to it. We must be getting really good at this because our scores keep getting closer and closer together. And lower, it's, too. It's it's seriously, I think every time we've played this, like the last five or six times we've played, we're within five points of mm. one another. It's crazy. Yeah, so so Eminent Domain, um, it's, it's, it's such a solid game. Um, with a lot of when we variety, first, I think. When we first got this game, it was hitting the table every night. Mm -hmm. And we were playing two, three times right in a row because we loved it so much. So the thing I love about it is that it lets you do what you want, basically. Right. Like, you can pick your own path to victory. There's not one clear mm -hmm. saying. Oh, there's not one clear path like, okay, I know if I go this route, this is going to work. If I just go on a strict warfare thing that's going to work it doesn't always work mm. there, but, but there you are have many the, different ways that you can win but and but each, and each strategy that you pick is pretty viable like in in the base game there aren't a lot of i don't think there's too many strategies that are i would say are poor like if you want to go you know heavily into warfare and just attack planets left and right you can gear that direction and get technologies that will help steer you and make that ability more powerful if you want to if you want to produce um, or if you want to trade resources, they not only, they have cards that let you give you bonus points for trading resources of different types in one shot or of the same, same type. type. Yeah. So like if you keep getting the same planets because the resources that are produced are are unique to each planet, essentially. And not every planet has one. Yeah, not every planet has them. But if you keep drawing like a bunch of metallic planets that have that all produce the the ore resource. Um, you can special. You can try to get cards to specialize in that to make that a more lucrative path to victory I've for you. I've definitely used that more than a few times and farmed my way to victory. Yeah, and and the other thing that's cool is that it kind of it really it's it's almost like a game of two halves because you have this like initial build up strategy at the beginning of the game to get your empire rolling, and then like kind of halfway through the game you end up shifting gears into a different direction to take advantage of the engine that you've kind of built. So he he does this genius. Uh, the the game's designed in such a way that's really smart. Where in the base game, the 
level one technology deck for each planet type doesn't have the advanced technology card of the specialty actions that that planet does. So like the metallic deck doesn't have the advanced warfare or the advanced survey card in it. You have to get that from other decks. So it kind of, like I said, you have to kind of shift gears. You can't just get oh metallic planets. I'm just going to go. You do have to into warfare. Yeah. A little, at least a little bit, you know, in, in as you go. So, um, we also, you know, since this is tabletop for two, I wanted to talk about the specific differences that the gameplay has with two players, um, as opposed to higher player counts. Um, fortunately, Emmett Domain doesn't really have a huge difference, um, for two players. The only difference is that it requires, um, it only takes one stack of cards to be depleted in order for the game to end in two player. Um, in the three and four player games, it, it requires two, essentially. Um, and that's really it. So it's just, it's just different length of game. I'd say, um, I guess you could say in the two player game that getting the technology that you want is easier, um, just because you have less people that are going for it, but there's still plenty of times where you and I have, have, uh, sniped each other. Yeah. And it's really funny because sometimes like I'm not even paying attention. Then I go to find a card and I'm like, oh, you son of a bee, you stole my card. <laughs> so, but, uh, but other than that, like I so said, the two player game plays the same as, um, all other player counts as well. Um, so Emily, what do you, like the most about eminent domain um i really like that there's like i said before there's not one clear path to victory Mm. like you can try a different strategy every time and some you'll win some you'll lose but i mean i I think that's my favorite thing as well i I like that you can't figure it out you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Well, like, that there's no dominant strategy. Because there's some games where it's just like, you know, it's going to be the same every time. It's like, okay, if I just do this and keep doing this, then I'm good to go. Well, not, and not only that, but like if you go into the game saying, you know, produce trade is the best strategy. I'm going to do produce trade and, and or I'll, I'll do the you know trade strategy where, you know, I, I sell all different resources. You might not draw the planets that you need in order to make that. So there is a little bit of luck element involved like you and but that's good because it keeps it from having, you know, one strategy be the strategy that everybody exactly. uses and to see, win that's the game. what I love. I love that because I hate when it's just like, OK, it's just a race to see who can get to the strategy <laughs> first. And, mm. you know, um, what anything else that you uh, particularly like about it as well? Um. Well, I like with the expansion that it's got a little more interaction between players. Oh, we'll just we're talking about the base game. We'll talk uh, about the expansion. I'm in a sorry. <laughs> I, I love it because it makes it crunchier for us. Because you know you're mean and I'm mean, and it does. That's what we do. Um, I love that it's super easy to introduce to even non-gamers. You thought you think so? That's interesting. We'll, uh, we'll, I'll talk about my inside of that in a second. Really? Here. Because I feel like we've introduced it to several of our friends that really weren't into the hobby and they got it like that. Interesting. And I'm, 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 it's interesting that you take that stance. I'm actually on the, uh, really? on the, well, I'll explain why in a second while I'm there, when we get to what we, what we don't like as much. Okay. Um, trying to think of, I, I like, I, I like the other thing that I like a lot is the marriage of all these different game mechanics. Like it's got deck building, but it's not a deck builder. It's got like a tableau building game, like a civilization building game, but it's not that either. It kind of has a really nice hybrid of the different mechanics. Um, I also love the, um, follow descent mechanic. Uh, like, like, so like in race for the galaxy, which is a game that we don't enjoy too much. Um, if you, 
Well, I mean, we don't. We talk. We've said that That's on the right. show we before. We like roll for the galaxy. We do better. like roll for the galaxy. But in, in Race for the Galaxy, like, if the, the whole point of that game is to do roles that your opponents will not be able to follow because there's no, um, there's no benefit from not following somebody. In this one, you at least have that option to follow a descent. And there might be times where you even want to follow a role, or, or not you want to, but that you can follow a role, but choose not to because you're trying to draw cards through your deck to find that one that one card that you need to be able to pull off the big combo in your turn. So I like the fact that they kind of let you, they, they give you interesting choices in that regard. Um, so as far as stuff I didn't like, so let's go back to what you said about being easy to introduce. I actually think it's got a steep learning curve. So like the basics of the game are easy. Maybe it's just that we've introduced it to the right people. I guess, but the, I think the thing that's tricky is the technologies. And if you don't know, like if you've never played before, you don't know how they synergize with each other because like the technologies is one of those things where all of them are available from the beginning of the game. Um, and you benefit from having played the game more frequently because you understand where the, what cards are in there and, and what they do and how they synergize with each other. And I, what I found is that typically if an experienced player is playing with a novice player, like that novice player is going to get rolled every time because the experienced player knows what cards that they need to go after to, right. to make their strategy work. So it's a game that rewards repeat plays, but I, I find that it's actually a trickier game to introduce to new people just because of that tech, those technologies are, are so important to the game, but they, they're not very intuitive as far as what they would actually do or not do. Uh, well, the stuff I'm not excited or not happy about is with the expansion stuff. So okay, well, we'll really, okay, that's interesting. Um, the other thing that I'm not a huge fan of with the game, and this is just well, I'm sorry. There is one thing. Okay, it's that the colonized cards. Uh, again, going back to comparing it to trains, they kind of become after you get like. A couple mm. of planets flipped over, and you get your engine going. Colonized cards kind of just become like waste in your deck. Yeah, it's 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 hard to pursue colonizing as a long long game strategy. Yeah. Like it's a good early game strategy, but it's, it's hard to make it make it work and long term. Sometimes I feel like it's hard to get them out of my deck, even with the you know mm. being able to do it with research cards and whatnot. Um, my only uh, my other nitpick of the game, and this is just a personal like nitpick grape, is that all of the planets look the same like all the metallic planets have the same art all the advanced planets have the same art would have been i understand why it was done because you need to have okay the, well mr nitpicky then are you upset because the ships in this game are the same as like three other games or something well, no, because that's 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 just practical like they that, you know they that way they have to make a new mold but um yeah just just that there's no really variety like that all the metallic planets look like all the other metallic planets, and I get why it was done. It's the, it was done more out of necessity, um, just to but make the symbols consistent. They do all have fun names, but they don't mean anything. Like they're just metallic planet X that's worth X points and produces this X, you know X resource and whatnot. So that's it's a slight. It doesn't buy. It doesn't affect the game at all. It's just a slight bother. Cheesy Pete, hun. So how do we like so? You know, we talked about what we liked, what we dislike. Um, how do you think this game works as a two-player game? Uh, excellent. Mm -hmm. It's probably one of our go-tos if we really can't figure out what else to play. You're like, let's play Emdo, mm -hmm. and I, and I like it too because it's got a um, it's it's a got a lot of game, um, but still a reasonable time. Like you can easily play this in 45 minutes once you know what you're doing. And if you get Eminent Domain Microcosm, you can play it in 10. Well, that's a completely different game, though. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, re you know, regular Domain um, plays really quickly. Um, 
and I like the fact that there's not direct interaction because you can't really do a whole lot to each other in the base game. Um, but there's still passive interaction, you know, where you have to choose, you know, you, the other player you can, can follow, follow your roles. They can steal mm-hmm. text from you. They might draw a planet card that you really need and just throw it away because they don't require it. Or do like I do and hate draft stuff. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> but it's a great game with two players. Um, some pe- so now some people will say that it works better with more players just because you have more opportunities to follow or dissent. Um, I think it depends on the people you play with. Because mm-hmm. I think you and I, I mean, we've been together for 12 years, so we kind of really know each other very well. We know each other's tendencies, so mm-hmm. I think that's why certain things probably work better for us. Well, I think it's still a great couples game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and I keep I keep coming back to Race for the Galaxy just because I feel like that's like the closest comparison mm-hmm. that there is to the game, and I I like this one so much more because I like we've talked about my biggest issue with Race is that the deck is so big that you might never like you might build up your game towards this you know having these certain planets or certain cards to get all the points and you might never see those cards just from drawing, but I feel like in Eminent Domain you have more control over the engine that you're building and the empire that you're building so that you can do what you want to do. It's just a matter of can you do it before the game ends and can you make it more powerful before the game ends. Just like there's the, what do you call it, the M. Bison card? Mm -hmm. That it's basically if you have enough research to get this card, you end the game. Well, that's a a promo card, actually. Oh Well, in any case, it's I don't think we've ever gotten to the point where we even had close to that many research in our decks <laughs> oh no yeah it's definitely it's definitely a game that um that's not even been like a, a goal of uh, well and, that, and that's us. what's cool about it too is that you like you can't build this engine and then and then spam it for uh, multiple turns because usually by the time you get your engine built you might really be able to to take advantage of it for two or three two or three times but then the game's usually over because i think the the timing in the game is really tight as well yeah i would agree so um, we're gonna talk. I want to talk about the Eminent Domain Escalation expansion as well. Escalation. Stop making fun of me. I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. <laughs> You're the one that was saying you can't talk. So anyway, Eminent Domain Escalation is the uh, the only expansion that's currently available for the game. Um, uh, we both think it's a must buy for sure, though, um, yes. just because it adds new uh, new planet types. Um, it adds all new technologies that you can use, including diverse technologies, which reward you for having multiple different types of planets. Yes, it has a wonderful double time card that lets you do mm-hmm. more actions. Do multiple actions and stuff like that. Um, you get planets that actually have actions on them that you can use on oh, yeah. your turn, which is pretty you have neat. planets that can produce um, fighter ships and stuff for mm-hmm. you. And they also differentiate. So in the base game, there's three different molds for the ships. But there's no difference between them because they just said, hey, that's the mold we had access to. Well, in the Escalation expansion, you actually, the different ships are actually different types of ships that all have different abilities Mm -hmm. as well. And you have a fleet card that's another technology that you get from the beginning of the game that you can actually upgrade to help get upgrade your ships and make them better. Well, and they also have in this one, they have the, the... Uh, what is it? The hostile planets, and mm-hmm. they have the civilized planets. The hostile planets can only be taken over by having by um, force, yeah, yeah, by having ships in your arsenal there. And then the civilized planets can only be colonized unless you roll up with your super battle cruiser, which right. is very hard to get, um, and and take it over by force that yeah. way. Um, and then the other thing that it adds, which we haven't really used a lot, um, but I think it's still 
interesting is the they have these scenario cards which are basically asymmetric starting scenarios for each player i'm i've not been a fan of the scenarios no no okay is that was that was that the thing you were going to criticize yes okay i don't like the scenarios i like we've played two or three times with them and i just i don't feel like they're necessary i don't think they're necessary but i think if you are if you've grown stale of the base game the way it is, where you have the complete freedom and you say, well, I, and like, because there's some players that don't like to pursue different strategies, they might try to only go after the same strategy every time. That can get boring. The scenario cards kind of force you into a different strategy because they give you a different starting deck, they give you a different starting planet, and they also give you a starting level two technology. Um, and that kind of shapes your your early game strategy in a way that the base game doesn't do by itself. So I, I, I appreciate that they're in there. I know we don't use them that much, but I still think they're a neat addition and uh, some player groups can really uh, benefit from having those in the deck as well. Um, and there's a new expansion coming out called Exotica um, that was on Kickstarter. It should be coming out. That was an auto back for us. Yeah, of course. Uh, should be coming out in the next few months. Um, I can't remember where exactly in the process they are. Um, depending on when you're listening to this. So, uh, but keep an eye out for that one as well. Um, we did play test that one a little bit. Um, it adds new, uh, planet, it adds asteroids, which have technologies that take advantage of you having asteroids in your, in your planet. There's a new type of planet called exotic planets. And there's like alien cards that can mm-hmm. give you special abilities as well as you go. So looking forward to getting that one as well. But yeah, eminent domain, um, like Emily said, when we first got it, we played it incessantly. Um, I, I I would easily say we've played this at least 50 times. Yeah, it's it's the game that's been played more than any other game in our collection, so we really wanted to review it. Um, we, you know, Obviously, we knew it was going to be a very positive review. but Glowing review. Yeah, but we love it, so that's that's fine. And and I think it's a terrific two-player game um, that I, th- I would say we both would recommend checking out. Oh, very much so. Yep. So, and that's actually, uh, that's all we have for this episode. Um, we oh hey, what? No, no, no. What are we missing? You didn't tell them where they can find us. Oh, I didn't at the beginning of the <gasps> show. Well, I'm gonna do it now. Oh, you bet. Why don't boy. you do it now? Why me? <laughs> yeah, go for me? it. Here, it's all. I'll, I'll scroll down so the page. So we can we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Tabletop for Two. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever podcasting thing that you use um if you leave us a five-star review we will read it on the air and yeah yep and uh also a quick we reminder are an affiliate of the nerdpocalypse studios nerdpocalypse network network studios i don't do these he always does this yes. he's got he's got a hundred and some shows under his belt for his other ones so forgive yeah. me so but check out our other shows that we have on our network um the nerdpocalypse which is our geek culture show dense pixels our video game show mouthful of toast our anime show um black on black cinema our, our look at black cinema movies in the network as well and you can become a premium member of the nerdpocalypse studios network um by paying five bucks a month or fifty dollars a year that gets you access to no Time to Bleed, uh, The Airing of Grievances, and Look Forward. So definitely check those out when you get the chance. That's it. We'll uh, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks when we record again. Is um, that coming? Are we going to be able to record before we leave? Because uh, that's yes. in two weeks. Yes, we will. That's in two weeks. Yes, we're, we, we have a wedding out of state that we're going to in two weeks. But we, we're we going to sh- have five kid-free days. We're not going to know what to do yes, with ourselves. But we should, we should be able to slap an episode together before we... Uh, 
before okay. we fly the friendly well, skies. So if not, I think we're taking games with us on vacation. So <laughs> we'll have plenty to report on. Well, maybe we can do what are the best plane games to play? <laughs> I don't know if the flight's be long enough for that. We'll see. It's going to be two hours. We could play like some microcosm. We'll or play Haggis like again. You can you can trounce me. We can pay destroy me at Haggis. Batman Love Letter. We can play Batman Love Letter. Yes. So we'll see. Maybe you guys can suggest a few good games that you've played on planes. What what are to good, us as well? Yes, so suggest for us some good games, travel games. Yep. Yeah, but until yeah. uh, but until next time, we'll uh, catch you guys later. See ya. See ya.